So yeah, if you weren't with us last week, you missed out on the whole intro to why we're doing that song. But this is our second week on the series, Take Me to Your Leader. It's a quick, short, little three-week series, but um, it's a very important one, I believe, anyhow, and establishing who the leader of our life is. Last week, we established a lot of different things in this base foundation of we have a lot of different leaders in our life, whether it be ourself, it could be people around us, parents, guardians, mentors. It could be society and who's famous, who's got to say today. It could be a lot of different things, but ultimately, we should have one ultimate leader. And of course, that is Jesus. Now, today we're going to examine what happens to our relationship with God when we mess up. Because last time I checked, we're humans. Every single one of us messes up. But the important question that we have to answer is, when we do mess up, what happens between us and God? Are we forever going to be thrown out of his presence? Is there going to be some kind of purgatory that we have to make this up someday? What is it? And so we'll be talking about that as we go through. But ultimately, our main point, and uh, if you haven't been with us throughout this quarantine time slash COVID time slash what it never really ends, our new normal, I suppose, it, we've been going through a series with kids in mind. And so from the time that we could come back to church again, we've been doing things a little bit differently. We've been having some fun. We've had some characters. Uh, we've done some songs where kids have been up here and helped us out. And ultimately, every week, we've had this big idea. And so today's big idea is God makes a way when I stray. And so every time you hear this sound today, hey, you're going to stand your big idea? And you'll say with me. God makes a way when I stray. Amen? God's good. So, I guess, really, if we could boil it all down today, we all are prone to stray from God. We're all going to make mistakes. And I do believe that today, our friends Arnold and Axel, who joined us last week, are going to help us kind of get a kickstart to our understanding of this with this week's power verse. So, uh, yeah, get ready. It's going to be overwhelming. That yeah. uh, whoa, I'm going to fall on us. What? Oh, golly gee. Goodness gracious. Well, hey, kids. I'm Axel. I'm Arnold. And we're here to teach you today's power verse. <laughs> Yeah. I got a joke for you, Eddie. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. here it is. Okay, what yeah. happens when a cow doesn't shave? It Come. looks utterly ridiculous. Oh, you're killing me, Anna. Oh. It grows a moustache. No, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. It's good. good. Oh, no, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, guys. Yeah. Well, I suppose we should probably teach them the power of us for today. Okay. 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 All right. Girls, I need you to stand with me. Come on. Get up. Get up. We're waiting. We don't wait longer. Okay. So our power of us today is Isaiah 53, 6. And so it goes, we had wandered away like sheep. We had gone our own way. And yet the Lord put all our guilt on him. You know, 
I think that might be talking about Jesus. I think so. Okay, well, that's good that we cleared that up. So, girls, I want you to stay with me now. Are you ready? Here we go. We had all wandered away like sheep. We had gone our own way. And yet, the Lord put all our guilt on him. Isaiah 53, 6. No, good job, girls. Good job. You did it. Okay, boys, stand up and repeat after me. We gotta put these girls to shame. Oh, get out! Cause we are the boys. Oh, All right, ready to stand up and get pumped as we go through our power verse? Stand up, okay? Ready? One, two, three. <clears throat> we all had wandered away like sheep. We had gone our way, and yet the Lord put all our guilt on Him. Isaiah fifty-three. Shit, yeah. Oh, good job, boys. Yeah. Good job, now we need everybody. Get up, get up. Here we go, all together. You ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah, are you ready? Let's go. Let's do this. One, two, three. We had all wandered away like sheep. We had gone our own way, and yet the Lord. Put all our guilt on him. Isaiah 53, 6. Oh, yeah, good job, boys yeah. and girls. You did awesome. Yeah. Well, boys and girls, I think Arnold and I need to get back to pumping the iron. Yeah, because you don't get arms like these sitting on your rear end. That's right. We'll yeah. see you next week, boys yeah, and girls. we'll see you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad that's only three weeks, Corey. I really am. <laughs> it is for the kids. And so if you are not aware, um, I need to make sure I put this up on our Facebook page. I forgot today. But um, we have been doing a conglomeration, kind of a cooperation with Epiphany Station and between their kids' ministry and ours. And because theirs is... Epiphany Station Kids, ours is Extreme Kids. We call it E-Squared. Pretty funny. I know we're brilliant, aren't we? And so we have a YouTube page where we have all of our stuff on there. And I will share the link for this week's message. And it goes right along with what we're speaking about today in adult service or family service. And so you can kind of see it for the kids' sake um, in a little more fun fashion. So I thought I would share that because it's fun and it kind of goes along with what we're talking about today. We had all wandered away like sheep. We had gone our own way, and yet the Lord put all our guilt on him. So even though this morning you may be really committed to Jesus, you're on fire for him, you're still going to make mistakes. In fact, we see this so clearly in the Bible with one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his closest followers who made a mistake. And this is on Page 936 in the Bibles under the chairs or on the tables. And it's Luke 22, verse 54. And so page 936 will be very at the very bottom, the last verse on page 936. And if you're following along online or in person, uh, we are reading from the CSB version in church. Christian Standard Bible. So this is the story of Peter denying Jesus. Now, if you know the story of Peter at all, he he's one of those guys that is up and down a lot, right? He gets really fired up, and then he has a mistake, but then he comes back to Jesus again. But this time, Peter makes a very 
drastic mistake. He denies Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. And in fact, Jesus himself predicted that Peter would do this. And what did Peter do? No way! I would never do that! Not to you, Jesus! Like, I am your man! I'm the man you promised would the church would be built on. Like, I'm the man! Right? And so here we are. Jesus has been taken. He's gonna be eventually killed. And, and Peter is freaking out. Like, what's going on? Like, my rock, which I'm supposed to be the rock, but my rock has been taken away. And he's being tried. And, they're trying to kill him. He's, he's pretty upset. And so verse 54 says, They seized him, that is Jesus, led him away and brought him to the high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together. And Peter sat among them. When a servant saw him sitting in the light and looked closely at him, she said, This man was with him too. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. And after a little while, someone else saw him and said, you're one of them too. Man, I am not, Peter said. And about an hour later, another kept insisting, this man was certainly with him since he's also a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then... The Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Every time I read that passage, it's the only gospel account that states that the Lord looked at Peter after he denied him. Every time I read that, I just, I imagine myself, being Peter and thinking, what would I have felt like if that was me? And here's Jesus being tried, being beaten, just humiliated. And he looks over at you with compassion in his eyes. My son, what are you doing? My friend, you've denied me. You see, it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, this was Peter, one of the closest men to Jesus, and he still denied Jesus. He still messed up. I think Romans 3.23 says it best, right? We've all fallen short of God's standard. Every single one of us, it doesn't matter who you are outside of Jesus, we all mess up. We're all going to be right with God and then mess it up. And so the question we have to answer is, what happens when we mess up? What happens to our relationship with God when we mess up? Do we lose our salvation? Do we, do we all of a sudden have to go back all over again and pray? What happens? Well, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says this. I, I love this passage. We'll come back to verse 1 in a little bit. But we'll read the whole thing this time. It says, The Lord's, Lord's arm is not too weak to save, and his ear is not too deaf to hear. But your iniquities are separating you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. 
It's separating us. Now, I will be clear, and we don't have time to go into this today, but when you mess up, you don't have to go back to God and ask for forgiveness of your sins so you can be right with him relationally as far as eternity is considered. When you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and you admit that you've sinned, you've confessed your sins, you believe that he died for you, you don't have to go back and do that every day, right? That that was for the Old Testament. For the New Testament, we do that once and we're in his presence for all of eternity. But as this verse says very clearly in other ones as well, when we make mistakes, when we do things that are contrary to what God wants us to do, those guidelines for a healthy living, it separates us from him. There's consequences between us and him between us and other people. Our sins will impact our earthly connection with God. And if you could turn to Ezekiel chapter 39, I think this is a, a perfect picture of, of what our sins do. It is on page 771 in the Bibles. And so if you, if you don't know a lot about Israel's history in the Old Testament, you know, Israel was chosen by God as the nation, right? They were God's chosen people. And so all of them were part of God's family immediately. They were born into this relationship. Whether they liked it or not, they were part of God's people. However, they had this problem with sin, like everybody else. And so they would make mistakes, they would fall away from God, and God would say, come back to me. He would send prophets, he would, he would send good godly kings to try to convince people to come back to him, and they would sometimes for a season, and then they would go back to their old ways. And so this pattern continued on for many hundreds of years. They would sin, they'd make mistakes, they'd get right back with God, and then over and over. Finally, they had done so much that they were thrown into exile, into Babylon, where they would spend many years in slavery. And so then we have Ezekiel writing to them that there would be a future hope, not just for Israel, but for all people. And Isaiah mentions this quite a bit as well, but this passage was just so powerful. It says in verse 21, I will display my glory among the nations. And all the nations will see the judgment I have executed and the hand I have laid on them. This is, again, talking about Israel and after all the bad they've done and the punishment they went through. From that day forward, the house of Israel know, will know that I am the Lord their God. And the nations will know that the house of Israel went into exile on account of their iniquity, of the bad things they've done. Because they dealt unfaithfully with me. Therefore, I hid my hate face from them and handed them over to their enemies so that they all fell by the sword. I dealt with them according to their uncleanliness and transgressions, and I hid my face from them. So this is what the Lord God says. Now I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have compassion on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. They will feel remorse for their disgrace and all the unfaithfulness they committed against me when they live securely in their land with no one to frighten them. When I bring them back from the peoples and gather them from the countries of their enemies, I will demonstrate my holiness through them in the sight of many nations. 
They will know that I am the Lord their God when I regard them to their own land, regather them to their own land, and have, after having exiled them among the nations, I will need, leave none of them behind. I will no longer hide my face from them, for I will pour out my spirit on the house of Israel. This is the declaration of the Lord God. So again, going right back to the beginning, verse 23, Israel went into exile on account of their iniquity because they dealt unfaithfully with me. Their sins removed them from God's presence here on earth. But we know because of God's faithfulness, because he's always reaching out and always patient and always wanting to bring his people back into his presence that he will pour out his spirit on Israel, not only on them, but on us as well. Because of Jesus, those same promises that were for Israel are for us today. Hey, what's the big idea? Todd, stand to your feet and say. Very nice. Man, so thankful for Jesus. He's so good. It just, that passage in Ezekiel, when I read it this week, I'm like, man, God's been doing this for the existence of humankind. He created humanity with this free will to do what it pleases, whether it's to honor God or not to honor God. We have the choice. And since the beginning of our creation of humankind, we have been failing God. And he continues to reach down consistently over that whole duration of existence and welcomes us back. He's waiting. He's waiting. Jesus provides a way. And this, we're going to turn to one more passage just because there's so many good ones in the Bible in regards to God welcoming his people back. And this last one is in Luke chapter 15 on page 928. I know I've read a lot of scriptures today, but sometimes we just need to let the scriptures speak for themselves. And this is such a characteristic of God. This passage of the lost son. Now in Luke chapter 15, we have really three beautiful stories of those who have wandered away and God welcomed them back. Or things that were lost, that were found. So this is the the story of the lost son. And I'm sure many have heard this story before. And so maybe this might be old news for you, but... My prayer is that you would look at this in your own lives. Because I know every single person that is in this room today has made mistakes. You have wandered away from God at some point. Or you will wander away from God at some point. And maybe even you're in the presence of doing that right now with God. You've been walking away. This story is for you. God wants all of you, every piece of your life And some of us, maybe we haven't wandered off fully, but part of our life has wandered off from his presence. It all affects our relationship with him. So verse 11 says, he also said, the third and final story of the lost. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. 
So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate and foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck the country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to them, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father told his servant, quick, bring out the best robe I put and put it on and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast because the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And of course, the older son comes back. He gets frustrated. He won't come in. Father consoles him. And, and then he says at the end in verse 31, son to the older one, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The story about the lost son. In essence, what he was telling his father at the beginning is, I would rather have your stuff than have you alive. Right? What is an inheritance? It's something you get when somebody passes away, right? The son was looking at his father and said, I want your money and I, in essence, want you dead. That's deep rejection. Then not only did he, in essence, say that, but then he ran away and left his family. He had so much rejection on his father that there's no reason the father would ever even want him back in his premise. But yet when he was still far off, and this can only mean he was waiting every day, waiting and watching. Spending large amounts of his days watching the horizon to see if his son would come back from the direction he left. And when he was yet far off, a little dot, without even knowing whether the son was coming back to reject him even more, to hurt him even more, or to come back and just be that lowly servant that he should have been at that point, the son runs out. Wraps or the father wraps his arms around him and welcomes him back. That is the portrayal portrayal of our father. When we reject him, mess up, fail him, much like Peter, he welcomes us back. But there is something that must occur in this encounter. You see, the, the, the son admitted something, right? He admitted he was wrong. Now, he didn't get to actually say that to the father, 
but he already had established it in his heart when he was far off. He said in his heart, I'm going to get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. His heart was already prepared so that when he went back to the father, the father was ready to give him grace and love, and he was ready to receive it. Because the father could have ran out to him before the son said anything and could have said, come back, son. I'm going to dress you with the royal colors. I'm going to put the ring back on your finger. I'm going to put the sandals back on your feet. Welcome back to the family. But if the son's heart wasn't right, it wouldn't have mattered. It requires us, when we mess up, to have a heart that longs to be welcomed back. That we want to be back in the presence of the Father. You see, God is waiting and longs to be with his children, even if we hurt him deeply. Hit it, Liam. Hey, what's the big idea? First John 1 9 says, God is faithful and fair. Some translations say he's just. If we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins. He will forgive every wrong thing that we've done and he will make us pure. He will make us pure. You're never too far gone today. Peter, after he rejected Jesus, we know what happened to Peter. He, he went off, right? He went fishing. One of the next scenes we see with Peter is he's in a boat fishing. And Jesus is out on the shore. <laughs> Peter was back to where he was when Jesus first called him. He was hurt. He was remorseful. But he was lost. And when Jesus welcomed him back, he went over the whole thing again and asked him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then finally, after Peter had admitted, yeah, I, I love you, Jesus once again welcomed him back into the family, put that call back on his life and said, feed my sheep. You will be a fisher of men, not a fisher of fish, Peter. Get out of that boat. You have a job to do. And from that point on, we know Peter was at the forefront of a mighty move of God. He was at the forefront. The Father is waiting for you to come back to him today. He's waiting. We're all in the same boat. We all wander. We all make mistakes. And he's waiting for you to come back to him. One last time, Liam. Let's go. Hey, what's the big idea? So today... Right away when I made this message, God put on my heart that 
we needed to have somebody share their personal story of how they had left Jesus for a season and came back to him and what that did in their lives. And and as I was praying about it, and as we were getting ready for the service today, earlier this week, we didn't know if we were going to have a worship team because things got jumbled around with the weekend and and then God spoke to my heart and reminded me of the amazing story that Katie Durth has and how God has worked in her life. And so I asked if she could come and share uh, her experience and um, get to know a little bit more about her. So thank you so much for coming and sharing. Hi. Um, so as most of you probably know, I'm a pastor's kid. I've been a pastor's kid since I was about seven years old. Um, raised in the church, uh, I made a commitment. I prayed with my dad um, one night before bed when I was probably five or six. Um, grew up knowing all the answers. Um, Sunday school, I was the first to raise my hand, answer the question, Jesus. Usually that's the answer to the question, right? <laughs> um, and we did Bible quizzing, so we memorized books of the Bible and did competitions with that. Um, through high school, I was in the worship team, and I was a model Christian. And um, my first year in college, I was like, all right, God, what do you want me to do? I wanted to be a veterinarian because I love animals. Um, but... I knew it was important for me to get the ground um, biblical knowledge. So I went to Oak Hills in Bemidji, and I did a one-year biblical studies certificate. I wanted to learn, you know, the historical, the context, all of that sort of stuff in Scripture because for my own knowledge. But then I went to my second year in college, and um, I got really sick. I had to quit college, and I was like, all right, God, you know, what is this? I thought I was doing what you wanted me to do, so why do I have to quit? Um, and then I moved up here with my brother, and I worked off um, my second year in college. Um, and I was like, all right, God, I'm going to do ministry. We're going to go down to Louisiana. And um, we, I went into a disaster relief organization where, you know, we did boot camp and we learned scripture and we learned doctrine and um but it was very hard physical labor and um we did training to be able to help with disasters and I couldn't go through the training I had to leave after eight weeks because my body failed me and I was like god come on like seriously what is this I'm I'm supposed to be doing what you want me right like this is what you want me to do and um, I got so mad. I had to move back in with my parents. My parents are great, but you know, once you leave, you don't necessarily want to go back. And I felt like a prisoner and I had such horrible depression and I was in so much pain. I, um, had really bad back pain. Most days I wasn't able to get out of bed. Um, and so my mental state was awful and I turned my back on God um, I moved out of my parents, and I started working probably about an hour and a half away from from them. I got my first apartment with my one friend, and um, we lived for ourselves. We, you know, drank, smoked, 
you know, softcore drugs. And I just remember just being like, I'm done with God. I told my dad, I said, you know, I still believe that God is there. I know he exists, but we're not on speaking terms. I'm done. I'm not coming back. And um, that was a couple years where, you know, we just, I just did what I wanted. And I didn't have the right friends to turn me back. And I remember at one point, like, calling my dad, like, this isn't right. Something's not right. My heart isn't right. And I don't know why I'm so un uncomfortable with where I'm at. You know, I, this should be easy. But my whole being has been knitted together by the creator God. And how in the world can I have my back turned to him? And I remember praying with my dad and being like, I know that I need to follow Jesus. I don't want to because I want to live for myself and I'm still mad and I'm still like, I still don't know where I'm supposed to be in my life. But there was always that nagging in the back of my head. And it took about two more years before I finally quit doing the things for myself and I quit living for myself. And I had to move halfway across the country to Thief River Falls, Minnesota for me to finally put that behind me and fully give myself back to God. And, you know, to some people it doesn't take moving halfway across the country and things just happened that way. But um, it's so different, you know, living for yourself and then just with the knowledge of where, where I came from to turning my back, there is always the, I need Jesus. I need to come back to Jesus. And um, that's really how my story went. Thank you for sharing. The rest of the worship team could come back up. We're going to go into a time of just reflection about what that means for us. Because obviously, that might not be where you're at today. Maybe it is where you're at. Or maybe, maybe you know somebody who's at that place. You know somebody, maybe it's a loved one. That is far from God, and you know that they at one point knew God. Or they're going through a tough season right now, and they're, they're wrestling with God, and, and they're on that brink of possibly falling away, and you're concerned about them. Whether that's you or somebody else, the point today that we want to be clear about is that God is making a way. It's not on your shoulders to change them. It's on God's. He's big. He's the one that's going to work in situations to change their heart, not you. And so my prayer for you today is that you take the weight off of your shoulders and you put it on God's shoulders. And you start praying to God, interceding for them. And maybe some of you have been praying for a long time for some loved ones and it seems like it's going nowhere. Don't stop. That is where the warfare is at. 
It is when you pray. When you're asking God, God, you, you promised and you worked in the Bible over and over again in people's lives and you don't stop and you didn't stop. And I believe that you won't stop in my situation. You're going to continue to reach down and to, to get that person back where they need to be. And so that is our call today is to keep praying for those people and keep praying for yourself. Because God wants you to come back. And it's between you and him. Maybe you're the prodigal son right now and you just need to come back to Jesus. He's going to welcome you back. The only thing you need to do is admit you need that Savior. You need his forgiveness. You want to be right with him. You want to be right with him. And so if you would stand, this is a time of just you and Jesus speaking to each other. If you need prayer, I'll be off on the corner love to pray with you if you just need some time with jesus at the altar go right ahead if you just want to stay in your seat and spend some time with him that's wonderful as well but father we come before you now and what a beautiful story we have woven in the scriptures and father we could go back to the beginning of scriptures and we can see reaching your hand down welcoming your people back, crying out, come back to me, come back to me. I love you. I want to be in your presence. God, we have stories and stories of people today, God, even as we listened this morning to Katie's wonderful example, Father, of how you welcome your children back and how you restore and how you use those bad things that that we have done for good. You're such a great God. You're so restoring. And we love you. We thank you that you never give up on us or our loved ones. And so our heart, Father, this morning is that all would come to you and experience your great love. You are an awesome God and we love you in Jesus' name.